0: When you surrender like this and we accept it like that, I see you trying to give your biscuit around, and I'm like, no, thank you.
1: Welcome to episode 33 of the Presidential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 and under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan Alward, joined by Blaine Zimmerman and our producer and vice presidential expert extraordinaire, Russ Slivka. Thank you to all of our patrons across the country who have helped to make this episode possible. If you want to get early ad-free and bonus episodes of our podcast, we would love for you to join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash sign Signing up's really quick, and the community is a lot of fun. Blaine. Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Tell everybody about the oh, massive tome that we read, okay. what we're calling episode 33, and what we're drinking, as as we always do, in honor of Harry Truman tonight.
0: Where does the term bucket list come from? I think it comes from the movie, The
1: Bucket List. No,
0: it's <laughs> older than that. I really, that, that's... Like, I, why would you have put all of the things you wanted to do into a bucket in list form? I don't... So, before you kick the bucket...
2: Oh. Is that where it comes from? That that's where it comes from. Is it yeah.
0: something you learn on cruise ships? All of <clears> them. <throat> nope. I, mean, I do know sense. that they
1: don't carry Titanic or the movie Poseidon on cruise ships. Oh, it's oh, like you don't smart.
0: watch the movie Flight on a Plane. That is correct. All right, Blaine. <laughs> okay. Take it away, buddy. This book is called Truman. <laughs> it's by <laughs> David McCullough. We've read books by this guy? Yeah, we've 1776. read. 1776. Well, yes. And then John
1: Adams' biography John as well. John Adams. Yeah, it was our,
0: our second uh, book. It is... Written in 1992. Also, it is 992 pages. Good night. A tome. It is. I mean, you're. (sighs) It
1: took me. How long did it take you to read that book?
0: I don't remember. More than a week. Yeah, it took me a solid part of a month. I know I finished it in less than two weeks, but it was more than a week. We're doing this for you. (laughs) So this episode is called "The Farmer." All right. I like that. Yeah. What it, are we drinking on tonight? So Truman had a what was called bourbon-soaked White House. Uh, so we were drinking some Hotel Tango two-year bourbon. I believe Russ has a glass of the six-year, oh, but the limited fancy edition. Yeah, we have mm. some options tonight. Yeah. Ryan, R- Russ, and I. Ryan and I have two-year. Cheers, boys. So I'm surprised so you picked the bottle F- up you? there.
1: There we go. Oh yeah,
0: I didn't look at the bottle like I always it's do. Yeah. Canteen shaped. Uh-huh.
1: Let's dive into the, the farmer. The farmer. What do you guys remember about Harry Truman from uh, from high school? Glasses.
2: My parents' favorite president.
1: I remember uh, the famous picture, the the incorrect headline, the Dewey defeats Truman. Oh, oh, I think yeah. of I saw that in like yeah. my government book. Of course, I remember that he dropped not one but two bombs to end World War II. Yeah, that's Com- that's Korean War. And the Korean War, fired yeah. uh, MacArthur. MacArthur, yeah, and completely redecorated the White House. Oh, you know what? You're right. I didn't remember that until I watched, I think, West Wing. I think that's how I learned
0: that Truman redecorated the White House. I've had a lot of people tell me I would like that. Oh, you've never seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know that Truman was a distant relative of Jim Crow? I didn't even realize that Jim Crow was a real person. I right, didn't honestly.
3: either. Wow. Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. A star just flew across my kitchen table.
1: <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's dive into uh, the life of Harry Truman. This is episode 33, The Farmer. So Harry S. Truman was born in the small town of Lamar, Missouri on May 8th, 1884. He was the oldest child of John Anderson Truman, a farmer, and Martha Ellen Young Truman. The S was his actual middle name. It was, it didn't stand for anything. It was a compromise between the names of his two grandfathers, Anderson
0: Ship Truman and Solomon Young. So. Mm-hmm. Also fairly common of the Scotch-Irish of the day to just have a letter for a middle name.
1: Do you know anyone else who has just one letter for his or her middle name? I can only think of one, and it's very, very niche to me as a Hoosier at, uh, from IU. Herman B. Wells was oh. the uh, longtime president of Indiana University, kind of in this era, actually. And he his middle name was B.
2: Hmm. Malcolm X? Did he have a last name? Mm-hmm. I don't think that was his real name. All right. I I mean, it
0: was eventually. Yeah. Um, That's a good question. But didn't we? Malcolm X blank. Like he
1: just had no last name. That was his middle name. Truman was, Uh, quote,
0: blind. (laughs) Ship. Uh, Truman was, quote, blind as a mole. And he had flat eyeballs, which is. What?
1: (laughs) 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 Rustically
0: mystified. Flat eyeballs. It's a medical term. So it wouldn't be a. Hypermetropia. Okay. It wouldn't be a ball at all. It would just be an eye. Yeah. It's the, it the prevailing theory of the day. They were like, if we get to one end of Truman's eyeball where you fall off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Have you
1: ever seen a picture of Truman's eye from space? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a flat eyeballer. <laughs> Yeah, he actually, his poor eyesight prevented him from participating in sports, and it yeah, led him his actually, eyesight did. Well, yeah, right. He's <laughs> like five foot four. Led him into uh, music and, and reading. He actually wanted to attend West Point, but he couldn't get in because flat of his eyes. eyesight. Flat yeah. eyes. Wouldn't he, that be great if he had perfect vision, but his eyes were just flat, flat. And like, sorry, <laughs> no, buddy.
0: Sorry, we need to up the cups. <laughs> he also was left-handed, but his school- forced him to write with his right hand
1: oh that's brutal
0: yeah that's just mean they didn't well they didn't like dirty hands
1: wasn't there like a myth like if you were left-handed it was just a bad omen or i don't know what it was but it was I mean, seen as some something very dope like, people are
0: left-handed yeah. yeah ken griffey jr oh yeah that's it my that's sister a- <laughs> shout obama. Out to heather
1: yeah obama was left-handed still is so his dad was not a rich man uh stubborn dude yes he was yeah tough Tough, stubborn man. Basically, Harry did not attend a four-year college. He tried to attend a business college in Kansas City for a semester, but he dropped out of school. This gives, actually, Truman the distinction of being the only president since William
0: McKinley who did not earn a college degree. I think that when we talked about this, too, you asked me how many presidents hadn't attended college. Uh That was definitely one I didn't get. I would have never assumed Truman. Because, I mean, he looks like a nerd.
1: Because of the glasses. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He yeah. claims to have read every book in the library, including the encyclopedias.
1: In in Independence, Missouri, where the family then moved, Russ. Yeah, got it. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. got it. Of course, it's important to know. <laughs> yeah, um, Independence was tough. After he couldn't get into West Point, and he just started working for a bank, he did join the National Guard. Correct. I believe he's the only National Guardsman that became a president. Oh,
1: cool. Hmm. I we, couldn't. Yeah. I know, was uh, W not in the Air National Guard, I think, in Texas?
0: I think he was in the Air Reserves. Air Reserves, okay. Which is different. All
1: right. Let's back up. So when he was six, his parents moved to Independence, which we just mentioned. They moved there so he could attend the Presbyterian Church Sunday School. He didn't attend a conventional school until he was eight years old. And while he was living in Independence, he served as a Shabbos Goy. For Jewish neighbors.
2: Whoa. What doing, does that mean,
1: Russ? Doing t- yeah.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So that is <laughs> I like how he steps in quickly. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yo, yeah I got it. I got this it. is also a little foreshadowing to what he does later in life. Yeah, oh, right? really? He's exactly. like, I've got experience here, I was a Shabaskoi.
2: Um Yeah, there was somebody else we talked about recently that was also a Shabiskoy. Anyway, so Orthodox Jews on the Sabbath aren't allowed to operate anything. They're not even allowed to turn no, on I'll light drive switches, a yeah. drive a car, Sure's turn on an don't oven,
0: freaking roll.
2: Yeah.
1: So you get a. <laughs> but man, they can put up some barns. Make it, no. Nope. That's Amish. Oh
2: yeah. gosh. Dave. No, that would be. I'm just kidding. I need to, so they would get. Goy is their non is their Gentile non Jewish neighbors, I guess. Okay. Oh. So they would come over and. Flip on the light or <coughs> huh. turn on. The, it's, it's so bananas. Walter
0: could have had somebody bowl for him. That yeah, day. that's yeah. right. Yeah. I did get that. My right goy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Bowls
1: on Shabbos. Uh, okay. So he, he did that.
0: While he was in yeah. the garden, his father took over a family farm while he was a goy. Is that what you would call him? a goy? Colin Powell
2: was also a Shabbos goy.
0: Oh, he? that's right. There yes. Okay. okay. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Colin
1: Powell. yeah. He worked on the farm for about six years with his and dad.
0: He- he went straight into farm labor which mm-hmm. like was more suitable for yeah. him than being a banker yeah he once said to be a good farmer in Missouri that's tops oh, my yeah. my great-grandfather all growing up when people would say stuff that he didn't necessarily believe yeah. would be like I'm from Missouri you got to show me <laughs>
1: ah, but oh. yeah. In 1910, he began courting his high school classmate, Bess Wallace. For like 15 years or so. Like, yeah.
0: Courted for a long
1: time. Yeah. Pretty quick, he proposed and she refused, but they continued their romance.
0: 14- Wasn't it some oh, sort of wild thing too, where he was washing himself like in the pump well and saw her walk by? It was their meet cute. 1914, his dad dies.
1: Meet- Cute me. Cute me, Cute yeah. me. His dad dies. He spends the next few years trying to earn a living as an owner and an operator of a small mining company and as a partner in an oil business. But neither enterprise met with much success, which is some foreshadowing of Harry's overall success as a businessman before he became president. 1917, uh, we're on the brink of entering the Great War, otherwise known as World War I. He memorized the eye chart to pass his vision test. I had oh. that marked in my
0: book to yeah. make sure we brought up, yeah. Because he you know. knew, hey, if I,
1: if I couldn't get into West Point, I still want to go fight. He's like, I got to
0: memorize this I've, I've seen people do that. Yeah? I've literally seen people, like, because when you take the eye test, at least every time I have in the yeah. army, you're literally standing in line. And they'll have somebody like, E-F-G-L-W-Q. You'll hear a dude five guys back be like, E-F-G-L-W-Q. <laughs> E-F-G-L-W-Q. Yeah, <laughs> now say it backwards.
1: <laughs> no. Well, he became a member of the 129th Artillery Regiment, which shipped out to France in March of 1918. He rose to the rank of captain and ran the Camp Canteen. <laughs> Blaine is our resident army expert. What is a Camp Canteen? What is that?
0: Well, I mean, at the time, I believe yeah. it was like where you could come. But like, So they got paid like weekly bike in cash, right? Okay. So there was a guy that every week would go to whatever building and have his little cash box and he would ch- show up and give him your pay stub and he would give you your cash for the week. Okay. At least the way I understand it. Sure. You could use that cash for things, but you couldn't really leave. So they'd have like a little store. Okay. And you could get like soda pop and cigarettes. Okay. Whatever. Underwear. Yeah. Razors. Comic books. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He actually, when we joined World War I, Uh he was quoted as to saying, basically, I'm glad we joined because the US owes France something for Lafayette.
1: Oh, my, wow. wow. Yeah, all the way back in the day.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he'd read every book in the library. He did. So. You're right, including yeah. the
1: encyclopedias. <laughs> the L. you got that one. Well, um, his soldiers in one battle began to flee during a sudden night attack by the Germans in August of 1918, but he succeeded in ordering his men to stay and fight using profanity. The men were so surprised to hear Truman use such language that they immediately obeyed him. I guess he didn't use it often.
0: Right. Yeah. He was a mild-mannered man. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I kind of took away from the book. I didn't take a whole bunch of notes about World War One, mm-hmm. except for, like, his battery, artillery size, a regiment or a battalion would be considered a battery okay. size, or maybe a company. I don't... I'm an infantry guy. I don't know all of that. All good. <laughs> he only took three casualties, and they had some of the most heated artillery battles of the war. He understood, like... He was, like, very studious in understanding, like, yeah. what his guns could do and couldn't do that battle you're talking about was a torrential downpour and he understood how to like reinforce the ground so that the artillery would be accurate because when they shoot, they have such force that they were like getting stuck into the mud. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he was literally like running around like screaming orders at people. Yeah. Not the image that most people have of Truman. Right. Probably good to point out. Maybe his publicist could have done a better job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the 129th then fought for 47 straight days in the Argonne campaign through the fall of 1918.
0: I was going to say Argonne. It definitely sounds like something that girl from high school Facebook messaged you about. Do you want to join my Argonne team? Got this great opportunity where you can become oh, okay. your own boss and yeah. start your
1: own business. Yeah. His battery <laughs> provided support for George Patton's tank brigade and fired some of the last shots of the war on November 11th, 1918, the day of the armistice. On June 28th, 1919... It's when- wild that the war ended on Veterans Day. Yeah. <laughs> Really good delivery. (laughs) What a coincidence, yeah. Oh,
3: wow.
1: He returned home June 28th, 1919 is when he married Bess, his longtime sweetheart in Independence, Missouri. A few months after the wedding, Truman and his friend from the war, Eddie Jacobson, remember that name, the son of an impoverished Lithuanian Jewish family, opened a haberdashery in Kansas City. It was a men's shop, like by mm-hmm. buy hats Golden and store. shirts and all that. <laughs> Business was good to start out, but the shop couldn't survive the national economic downturn at the time and closed its doors in September of 22, leaving Truman in heavy debt and nearly bankrupt. He was elected as county court judge during the same year with the help of the Kansas City Democratic machine led by Tom Pendergast.
0: I did put in there, it was a wild for a non-lawyer to be named a judge. Yeah. But apparently this is like a pretty normal thing in the South.
1: Yeah, and this was not necessarily a... It was more of a presiding judge. It was kind of like a city councilman's sort of role. There was a legal aspect to it, but Truman was just kind of sitting there. Yeah. Uh, in early 24, Truman lost his reelection, but welcomed his and Bess's first and only child, Mary Margaret Truman, in 1924.
0: When he was a judge, he was told it would be good politics to join the Klan. So he paid $10 to join the Klan.
1: Yeah, I remember reading this like six months
0: ago. But uh, he refused yeah. to say that he wouldn't hire Catholics. That was where he drew the line. Okay. (laughs) And so they returned his $10 and said, you're not welcome, sir. So like he would always, he would tout, I didn't join the clan, but like he didn't go into like, it wasn't because of this. It was because of the Catholic. thing. Like they're also white. (laughs) (laughs) He was kicked out of the clan. He wasn't kicked out. He was never like formally accepted because he had like taken oath. Sure. And, and, the Catholic part he wasn't comfortable with, God, so they were like, "Here's, breaker, sir, please. here's your." T- it's also shocking that they weren't like, "We're keeping your ten bucks, go away, nerd." Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go away, nerd. <laughs> that Tom Pendergast guy, he ran yeah. like everything in Kansas City. He really did. Yeah, like, he was he was basically this corrupt political boss,
1: the, the, the oh, Tammany sorry. Hall of Independence, Missouri, if you will.
0: As we'll see, and maybe we will or we won't talk about it, so I'll just bring it up now. Truman did just a good enough job at keeping the guy at arm's length while also accepting his help. Correct. This is the one piece of his character I couldn't get a beat on. Did he accept this guy's shady help? Yeah. Or did he really keep him at arm's length like he said he did? Yeah. And I would assume it's probably some sort of combination of Mm -hmm. both. Like he used each one advantageously. For his goals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, in 26, he won the job of presiding judge, again, with the help of Pendergast, was reelected in 1930. In 34, he was elected to the Senate, Uh, not the state Senate, but the U.S. Senate, and had a reputation in D.C. as the senator from Pendergast. Right. Because
0: most... Evidence shows that Pendergast was able to rig the ballot boxes. Yeah. Oh. There was some there was some yeah. shady stuff going on. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, so that answers your question.
0: Yeah. Well, but it's possible that Pendergast just decided this is the guy I want to win. I'm rigging the election without telling him. Unlikely, but possible.
1: <sighs> yeah. He's over there reading books. He doesn't know any better. Yeah.
0: So he served on some. guy won guy (laughs) one campaign. (laughs) Uh,
1: He served on some pretty high profile committees when he was in the Senate, but largely was ignored by President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt. And he had trouble getting calls returned from the White House. He did, however, help to design the Civil Aeronautics Act of 1938, which laid the groundwork for the growth of the airline industry and its safety regulations over the next four decades. Oh. I did not know that about Harry Truman.
0: Hmm. I didn't either. Yeah. Was that? Okay.
1: It, it had, probably was. He was in one of those 992 you definitely pages. missed stuff. I, I had a note. <laughs> <laughs> he was elected to a second term in the Senate in 1941 as
0: the U.S. prepared for World War II. This is good foreshadowing. He had like a really furious last minute campaign for this, which we'll, we'll talk about again in the future. He had another win on a last minute furious campaign. FDR really hated him. He was against him. He didn't want him to be a senator. And and he basically shared that hatred back to FDR by yeah. that point. They yeah. did not get along, which yeah. is interesting. Yep. He wrote one
1: Missouri voter at the time. This is about 1941. Quote, we are facing a bunch of thugs and the only theory a thug understands is a gun and a bayonet. Again, something you may not think that Harry Truman would say, but he had some spit and vinegar in him.
0: So when the Lend-Lease Act was proposed, he realized this is opening the door for massive corruption, both on the corporate and military side. Expert gross- the Lend-Lease Act, if you will, to someone who may not know what that is. Basically, other countries, we're making equipment for them and letting them borrow it and then paying it off over time. Lack of a better term, yeah. is that probably the best yeah, way to describe it's it's it? It's like we'd make planes for... Switzerland, or no? That's uh, <laughs> of all the countries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can pick. What was the one we talked about the last episode when they yeah, the, the boat want to wanted that to was, leave? Um, it was Portugal, maybe. Yeah. It was, so Portugal wants airplanes. Cool. Well, you don't have the materials. We'll make the airplanes for you. You pay us a little bit over time. Was it Argentina? Yes. I think it was Argentina. You want a ship? We'll build you a ship. You pay us in installments over time. Yeah. Don't go over your mileage. Um, (laughs) and we'll, (laughs) it was the guy that basically called the bluff of the guy out in New York and was like, these these ships are going to leave.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: So essentially he was like, all this is going to do is get a bunch of people really rich Mm -hmm. and we're going to end up jacking up prices for stuff and the government's going to end up paying private companies, tons of money. Yeah. So he personally drove, to multiple military bases and personally investigated how they were being built, where the money was coming from, how much negligence was happening. Is this when he was mostly so-called
1: Truman committee where he was looking
0: for wasteful spending in the government? Yeah. 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 So he figured out that most of the people that were benefiting from Lend Lease was big East Coast corporations, Mm. which if you remember where FDR came from and where all of his friends lived and where they, you know, made their nests. Sure. He. Because they were birds. The Truman Committee basically helped get him on a national path and helped him find his stride. There was an estimate that is more than likely exaggerated that the committee saved roughly fifteen billion dollars. Which in today's dollars is two hundred and twenty billion dollars. It landed him on the
1: cover of the Time magazine. Like this When Time Magazine mattered. Right. But <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. the thing. Yeah. This guy from small town, Missouri is hunting down 220 of today's yeah. billion dollars.
0: $15 billion in, in yeah. 1940 dollars yeah. is what he saved, yeah. allegedly. But still, like the gumption to go and be yeah. like, you know what? Like, I know there's something up. I'm just going to go figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, he didn't stand in front of a camera and complain about it. He was like, I'll go prove it. It's yeah, I'll fine. It. I'll prove yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, in
1: 1944, FDR dropped his sitting vice president, Henry Wallace, from the Democratic <laughs> ticket in the upcoming general election. Truman became the consensus choice for the VP slot. He performed admirably during the campaign, and that ticket defeated Republican
0: challengers Thomas Dewey and John Bricker by a comfortable margin. So it was known, like, while that FDR didn't like him, what they were doing was trying, they knew FDR wasn't going to live through this term. Yeah. So what they were doing was they were looking for the best candidate to lead the nation when FDR dies.
1: Interestingly enough, the nation didn't know that FDR was not going to
0: last that long. Well, they couldn't. We were in the middle of a war. I know, but what i'm saying the way that fdr's
1: health the issues that oh he was because they was hit tough. his
0: wheelchair and they hit how yeah. bad yeah, yeah yeah i got you yeah. and
1: also the media at the time was not i mean it's very friendly was, yeah i mean very was,
0: friendly yeah so but um, no I, I will say for whatever faults roosevelt may have had yeah to be able to put personal differences aside be yeah. like, this guy's the best choice right that we have to lead the country yep. after i die so let's go at, even though i hate this tiny man Let's go ahead and put him in there. I don't even know if he's small. He just looks how, small. How tall is he again? I have no idea. He could be six two. We oh. wouldn't know. He just looks tiny. He he strikes me as about He probably five, is my size. Five nine, that, give or take. So my size. I would guess oh, he's okay. like five nine, nine a buck, buck fifty. Like, buck fifty. Okay. So yeah.
2: Less than five nine as small is what we're saying here. No,
0: I'm saying he looks small. Like pictures <laughs> yeah. of him look yeah. small. The spectacled five like, nine. If I were 50. to just if you showed me a picture of Truman, I'd be like five four, 120. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's him. Well, he had been vice president for 82 days
1: <laughs> when FDR died on April 12, 1945. Do you have his quote when he found out? I, well, let me tell the story first. Okay. So he's headed to House Speaker Sam Rayburn's house for a drink after work. And he receives an urgent message to go immediately to the White House where Eleanor Roosevelt told him that her husband died. Truman asked her if there was anything he could do for her. She replied, quote, is there anything we can do for you? For you are the one in trouble now. Blaine, what was the quote that you had that Harry Truman said that when he found out that
0: FDR died? So when he got the call to go to the White House at once because FDR just died, his initial reaction was, Jesus Christ and General Jackson. (laughs) General Jackson was his was his hero, actually. Stonewall. Stonewall. No,
1: I thought it oh, was it I thought it was Andrew Jackson that was his
0: it was Stonewall Jackson? Uh, maybe. I mean his mom, we'll talk about it. Jesus, but Christ his, General Jackson. We'll talk about it. But yeah. well he, his mom was a big Confederate person. Yes. And Confederates love Stonewall Jackson. Which happens in Missouri. Stonewall I mean Wall Missouri
1: Jackson. was, you know, we talked about that in the Grant episode where uh, Grant was pro-union and his
0: in-laws were very much uh, pro-South. Yes, Confederate sympathizers absolutely love Stonewall Jackson. They yeah. point to his his great character. You know, they ignore you know the slave part, and they're like, "But he was a good Christian man." <laughs> he also used to like randomly lift his left arm when he was in battle, and he would suck on lemons. He's a Weird dude. <laughs> Sucked on lemons? Oh yeah, all the time. Huh. Yeah, Stonewall Jackson not cool. Was he not? You want a real zombie? hero, William Tecumseh Sherman? Yeah, baby. That is a real <laughs> hero. Yeah, march to the sea love that guy just for everyone's fyi like i got it recently got a new office at work and the very first thing I did was put a framed picture of William <laughs> Tecumseh Sherman on my desk facing outwards. Like grizzly Sherman yeah. as well. It's, it's like if you've ever seen Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson's yeah. uh Claymore mine. Yeah. That's my <laughs> William Sherman is my Claymore mine. On my I desk. love in Parks and Rec that uh, Ron Swanson
2: also has
1: a framed picture of bacon, eggs <laughs> and
0: <laughs> sausage links. Well, you know why? Well. It's because he used to have Bob Knight up there and Bob Knight's people called and said they didn't want him up there. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh, and right. the first like two or three Three seasons. Bob yeah. Knight was up there. Interesting. So anyway, uh, so anyway, it, yeah. either way, I, I mean, it would make sense to me that it could be Andrew Jackson or Stonewall Jackson. Yeah. But I think knowing his his family, it was probably Stonewall okay. Jackson. All right.
1: So Chief Justice Harlan Stone, who was a Coolidge appointee, administered the oath of office in the Cabinet Room of the White House to the college dropout, Great War veteran, and former haberdasher from Missouri, who was now the thirty third President of the United States. On that note, let's take a break. You're going to hear from one of our fantastic sponsors. You're listening to episode 33 The Farmer, the Presequential Podcast. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming, but there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans, and that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation, and you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities. Browse the current open job openings in these communities and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, friends. So a day after attending FDR's funeral, President Truman addressed a joint session of Congress and outlined his goals, which basically included winning the war, carrying on the policies of his predecessor, and punishing war criminals. A month later, on May 8th, he announced the unconditional surrender of German forces in Europe known as VE Day. But
0: 12 days later was when he learned about The atomic bomb. That is correct. FDR shared next to nothing with him about the war or the plan moving forward. Yeah. So he had no idea what the task was ahead of him. Like when he took over as a president, he didn't even know that the atomic bomb was being developed. Yeah. Nor did he know that like this technology was even possible. He had to get briefed on it, basically. FDR shared nothing with him. And so the country's Jeez. in
1: total shock and mourning, not to mention the, the the world is like grieving FDR. And up comes Harry Truman, which no one knows. So uh, I would so,
0: like to pull a piece from the scripture here. Yeah, please. Um.
1: I love that you've got...
0: Post-it notes in the book Well, in my notes, for specific parts that I think it's important to like read specifically mm-hmm. from the scripture, um, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I put the page number in. It basically does look like you're reading a giant <laughs> Bible. I mean, it
1: really does.
2: It's every bit as big. Family Bible. Dang it, um, David McCullough. Why? So
0: Henry Stimson, he was the one that told President Truman about the atomic bomb. He basically wanted to let him know just how big of a deal this was. Yeah. So, he wanted to give him the full effect. So, he said, the, the beginning of the letter, which he had crafted himself, it said, within four months, we shall in all probability have completed the most terrible weapon ever known in human history, one bomb of which could destroy a whole city. So, that was the first Truman had ever heard of it. And then he basically explained to him how he had been... You know, how it had been developed and that you have this thing in the palm of your hands now or you will within the next four months that you will be able to literally flatten whole cities. Yeah. And that was when kind of Churchill, like he went to Churchill and was like, did you know about this? And Churchill was like, yeah, I I, Was kind of in on the conversations. Yeah. Um, Uncle Joe, which is what they called Stalin, like doesn't quite know yet because we don't really want to keep him in.
1: Well, he had some espionage telling him otherwise, actually.
0: But, but like, yeah. Truman won't realize that Stalin really knew about it until later. But like, I don't think Stalin knew the extent or the actual damage. He knew about it before Truman did. Oh, he knew that he existed. Yes. hundred yes, The technology think, was happening. I don't think anyone to include. Well. Anyone that wasn't a scientist working on it really fully grasped the power and what was going to happen with this.
1: This this is Oppenheimer, the Manhattan Project, all of that. So on July 16th, 1945, the U.S. conducted the first test of a nuclear weapon codenamed Trinity outside Alamogordo, New Mexico. I've been there. Oh, you have? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you've seen the plaque and everything? Cause like no, I've been to Alamogordo. Oh. oh, cool. When we live in El Paso, it's not that far. Oh, yeah. Okay. The roar of the shockwave took 40 seconds to reach the team of observers. It was felt over a 100 miles away, and the mushroom cloud reached almost 8 miles in height into the sky. A day after this test, Truman joined Churchill and Stalin in Potsdam, Germany, from July 17th to August 2nd, basically to plan post-war peace yeah. in Europe. So during the conference, Truman hinted to Stalin that the U.S. was about to use this new kind of weapon against the Japanese. Stalin was already aware of the bomb project, sort of played dumb, because there was espionage within the Manhattan Project that he had basically
0: infiltrated through through spies. Yeah, Stalin told Khrushchev Khrushchev that he thought Truman was worthless. Like I said, everybody called Stalin Uncle Joe. Yeah. And Stalin had bugged everybody's room. Correct. So Stalin was like constantly listening to everything that was happening to everyone Yeah. Oh. Um, from the very beginning. Can we back up really quick Go to ahead. him moving into the White House? Oh, yeah. It took 20 army trucks to move the Roosevelt's out of the White House. <laughs> Whew,
1: that's a lot of stuff.
0: It took one to move... The Trumans in. Hmm. It was a twenty to one ratio. Wow! <laughs> His mother visited Washington for the first time. Yeah. Truman jokingly offered her the Lincoln bedroom, and her Confederate blood boiled. She said, "I'd rather sleep on the floor." Oh my! Uh, Man, she
2: was some. I'm a Truman. <laughs> yeah.
0: Woo. So anyway, during Potsdam, Yeah. Churchill lost his re-election campaign That's in correct. England, right? So Churchill is no longer the leader of England. Stalin and Molotov were shocked and angry that he lost the election and they literally couldn't comprehend how he didn't <laughs> just fix it. Yeah, right. They were <laughs> Yeah, Russ? I don't know anything about Molotov. Who is that? He was like what is chief of staff or something? Producer Russ, could you look up the answer to your own question? (laughs) I can. (laughs) Is it related
2: to the Molotov Molotov cocktail cocktail, gas? I'm
1: assuming. All right. Um, While you're looking that up, let's talk about Potsdam, just given the people. I've also been to Potsdam, New York. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yes. The new Potsdam. Yeah. Formerly Constantinople.
0: So Potsdam is this conference. Also a shout out to our history teacher in Syracuse. He's probably also been to Potsdam, new Rob Raitt. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to you. Go Orangeman. So at Potsdam- Not going to go that far, but well, okay. good for you. He's a big Syracuse fan. I know. At
1: Potsdam, there were four things that were decided amongst the allies. So Nazi war criminals being put on trial, Germany being divided into four occupation zones amongst the U.S., U.K., Russia, and France. Germany's border being shifted west. Uh And then that – I'm sorry, two more. That Poland was going to be governed by a Soviet-backed group. And that Vietnam was going to be partitioned at the 16th parallel. So also there – the Soviets also reaffirmed their promise from the Yalta conference. You may remember that from mm-hmm. the FDR episode, to launch an invasion of Japanese held areas. So yeah. even though the war was done in Europe, there was still a
0: lot to do at the time right. in Japan. I guess maybe I missed this and why is it important? Why did they have to talk about Vietnam at all? Because France was involved and at
1: that point there was a France colonial. Oh, that's right. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, because uh, France was in Vietnam. In, yeah. In Vietnam. Um
0: I do want to point this Thing out so there was a specific moment in time that we've actually been able to capture that we decided to use the atomic bomb mm, yeah. july 31st at seven forty eight a.m the date and time that he made the decision we are going to use this weapon yeah i don't know if he had decided exactly where or when they were going to use it but it was when they moved forward with the plan to use it so uh,
1: basically a week after that Uh, On the morning of August 6th, 1945, the B-29 bomber Enola Gay dropped the first atomic bomb called Little Boy on Hiroshima, Japan. Upwards of 100,000 people, mostly civilians, were killed instantly in the blast. Hearing no word from the Japanese government, which was basically in deep negotiations about whether to surrender or not, Truman let the U.S. military proceed with its plans to drop a second atomic bomb two days later. On August 8th, the B-29 bomber Boxcar... Drop the second atomic bomb, Fat Man, on Nagasaki. So this was actually plan B of the second bomb. Plan one, or plan A rather, was to drop the bomb on Kokura, but it was found to be obscured by clouds and smoke from the raids that were going Mm -hmm. on. There were like 250 B-29 raids the previous day. So there's too much smoke. They can't say it. They're like, Hey, we can't drop it on Kokura. Let's do backup plan Nagasaki. So this was interesting. The Mitsubishi plant that manufactured the torpedoes that were used by the Japanese in Pearl Harbor was destroyed on that day in Nagasaki. I thought that was an interesting somewhat bookend to Pearl Harbor and the fact that Nagasaki was not the original plan, but it was the backup. 200,000 Japanese citizens were killed over three
2: days.
0: But I have a story about one that wasn't, that actually worked for Mitsubishi Heavy Industries His name is Tsutomu Yamaguchi. He was actually about to leave Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. He was an engineer for Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. He had spent the summer working on a new oil tanker, and he was about to go home to see his wife and family for the first time. He was about 8.15 in the morning walking to the shipyard when he saw a plane come overhead and drop something out With the parachute landing, he saw the flash and jumped into a ditch. He was less than two miles from ground zero of the bomb going off. Survived. Managed when he got up from the concussion of the blast and everything. He said he had thought he had passed out. Got up. He actually saw the mushroom clouds still in the air. Gosh. Hung out in a, like, bunker for a while. They found out that for some reason the trains were still running. Mm. So, he wanted to get back to his family Went to the hospital, got bandaged up. He was completely unrecognizable. Like his family didn't even recognize him when he got home. Uh, Well, his home was in Nagasaki. Mm. So on August 7th, he takes the train from Hiroshima to Nagasaki. Goes home. (sighs) For whatever reason, on the 8th, decides to go to work. Okay. A day and a half after... Surviving a nuclear blast. He's in the Mitsubishi building and the second bomb goes off, completely takes the building out. I think it was because of where he was standing, like a a pole or like a beam protected him from all the glass that came in. And because he had just survived one a few days earlier when he heard the bomb drop, he was able to get protection like behind something because he knew the concussion was coming after. Wow. Left that. To go home to check on his family. So, the Mitsubishi building is basically a skeleton at this point. Like, the boss he was talking to. His boss actually didn't believe him. He was standing there explaining what was going on. And his boss was like, no, this is the way he tells the story. He literally was telling the story about the bomb dropping. His boss didn't believe that a bomb took out a whole city when the second bomb landed. Wow. That boss dies. Because at this point, I think he was like less than a half a mile Good from night. ground zero. He goes to his house to try to see if his family's okay. His house is completely in ruins. He assumes he's lost his whole family. His wife had left to go get bandages for him. Wow. So had he not been in the first atomic bond dropping, yes. his family probably would have died in the second but because he was in the first and survived the second, wow. his whole family su- survived the second My as well.
1: What is this guy's name?
0: Tsutomu Yamaguchi. Okay. Wow. What a story. Yeah. I mean, he survived both of them. Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah. V.J. Day fell on September
1: 2nd, 1945, when the Japanese officially signed the Instrument of Surrender on the deck of the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay. I have a personal connection to this. The USS Missouri is the sister ship of the ship that my dad was on, the Wisconsin, which is a World War II-era battleship that was in service in World War II and then was decommissioned and then recommissioned around the time I was in first and second grade. There is something called on all Iowa-class battleships. So there's the Iowa, Missouri, Wisconsin, and New Jersey. All of them have been since decommissioned.
0: Why are they considered Iowa-class?
1: The Iowa was the first one, Okay. BB-61. There's something called the Surrender Deck, on all of these ships. So BB-61 through, I believe, 65, the surrender deck is right outside of the executive officer's quarters. But it's in that picture of the Japanese surrendering to MacArthur on board the USS Missouri. It's right there. On the Missouri, it's it's notated with a plaque. that's like, this is where it went down. But it's referred to as the surrender deck on all of the ships. And it was referred to that even after the war. Did the, they
0: plan for it to happen on the Missouri because of Truman? Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. I talked to my dad about this. He said he thinks that the Missouri was used not just because of Truman's connection to the state, but
0: there was a position where the U.S. Navy... It was because if you're going to surrender, you got to show me. (laughs) It's a callback (laughs) to the beginning of the episode. When, (laughs) When the U.S. Navy
1: was in Japan years prior, they actually lined up the ship to the latitude and longitude of the first U.S. Navy's ship entrance into Japan in Tokyo Bay. They put the Missouri on that exact spot as a symbolic gesture to say we were there
0: then we're here now we're receiving oh. your surrender so so but, you could kind of say it was all coming back to them coming back to them now now yes <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this you is, is where that. we first entered and it's where you surrender <laughs> well, there were you. nights on the missouri <laughs> it is where mc my- Arthur got them to quit, <laughs> baby baby
3: baby When
0: higher. you, <laughs> I can't that's, a, that's what I got do
3: anything
0: for <laughs> okay. when you surrender like this <laughs> and we <laughs> accept it Get like
1: that <laughs> And you will wear your cool tuxedo with your top hat. I think the emperor had like a like a, a monocle. New clothes, in that,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> also, I did not know this until talking to my dad about Truman, but he said that the USS Missouri right now is in Pearl Harbor, and she is bow to bow with the USS Arizona, which was sunk. Uh, mm-hmm. In the attack, oh. which is symbolically marking the start of World War II for the U.S. and the end of yeah. World War II. I get it.
2: So if it was sunk, did they recover it? They know it where
1: – basically the Arizona is staying where she was sunk. Oh, I see. Uh, so it's, in a, it's basically the, the grave of all the sailors that were anchored the other one, right. And so, yeah, the Missouri is bowed about, about with the Arizona. And there's a memorial over the Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. It's a big deal, to say the least, when a U.S. Navy ship enters Pearl Harbor, which is still active. You ceremoniously render honors to the Arizona.
2: What is a sister ship?
1: A sister ship would be so the Iowa class of battleships were all essentially carbon copies of one another, the Iowa, New Jersey, Missouri, Wisconsin. and oh, okay. There were four. Yeah, I think could be wrong on that. But there were these warships that were being built at the same time that were put into service around the same time that then, somewhat sadly, they, they do their job. They get decommissioned. And then the interesting story of the Wisconsin that my dad was on was that it was a recommission to go into service in the Gulf War. So my dad was part of the crew that brought the ship back to life. Which was a huge deal. The Wisconsin was actually the first ship to launch the Tomahawk missiles into Iraq from the Persian Gulf. He was part of the crew that basically brought the ship back to life. And then they received a new crew, new commanding officer to take it into combat. That's really cool. Yeah. Anyway. On March 5th, 1946, Blaine, one of your favorite presidents, former president Herbert Hoover, accepted an invitation
0: by Truman to travel to Europe for the purpose of surveying food needs in the continent. Just like in every other president except for FDR... Up through Johnson, that is he correct. He was just in the White House, going, "Don't you forget, forget about, about me." <laughs> the two met in the White House in late May of '45. I'm Important sorry, 40- to note, he had not back been back in the White House since he left because FDR hated him correct. so much. I think it was
1: 46, I believe, when they first met in the White House. So it was the first time that Hoover had entered the building in 12 years. Truman later appointed Hoover Honorary Chairman of the Famine Emergency Committee, a role which sent him across the globe to basically get rations for the needy and homeless. Which and probably
0: didn't have anybody more qualified if for If you're that. Hoover Hoover, you were born for that job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go back and listen to that episode.
1: In 1946, also, Truman sent General George C. Marshall to China in an ultimately unsuccessful attempt to mediate this conflict that was happening between national Chinese leader Zhang Zixi and the forces of communist leader Mao Zedong, chairman, eventually Chairman Mao, and form a coalition government. I wonder what the story was all about with Truman's vice president. Oh, yeah. Would you like to uh, give us some knowledge on Truman's vice president?
2: Sure. His vice president was Alben Barkley, A-L-B-E-N. Albin, <laughs> <Vice President, laughs> Flurgin. Flurgin. there was a key change right
0: there <laughs> there's he always was, a key change oh when it goes yeah, from you to me yeah.
2: he was originally willie barkley and he changed his name to his middle name which was albin that's Barclay. weird
1: huh. yeah maybe it was mom's maiden name Albin Barkley, it doesn't matter. Well,
2: he changed it because I think he was 16 and realized, if I want to go into politics, Willie probably isn't a good way to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a man now.
2: Yeah. Albin Barkley was from Kentucky. and That
0: makes sense to me.
2: It does. He was actually the cousin to Adelaide Stevenson. Oh, Oh, you don't say. Both of the Adelaide Stevenson's, I guess. all right. First and then fourth, however that works. There's several to many Adlai Stevenson's. Yeah. Yeah. There's several. That's three, right?
1: Several is three or more.
2: All right. So he was a very strong supporter of FDR as he was coming up. And he was also the Senate majority leader. And that was his, he had gone from the Senate to governor to Senate majority leader after he was governor.
1: It's interesting that he would leave the Senate to go be governor. But okay, all right, yeah, I'll take it. I
2: mean, he actually left the Senate, became Might governor, became vice president, hmm. and then went back to the Senate. Okay, yeah, we'll get there. All right. He was the first to coin the expression "veep." Oh, really? as the vice president is, huh. yeah, huh. is um... did he
0: have this like weird dance too?
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, he was uh, a
0: big for those Seinfeld, Seinfeld of you, fan. Uh, <laughs> not <laughs> able to see visually what Blaine is doing. He's doing yeah. the Elaine dance from yeah. Seinfeld.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of
0: kicking of ankles. Was that an ASMR? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what that exactly means, but like I feel like just whispering. Julia Louis Dreyfus played the president in Veep, and the vice. I thought president. Thought she was the vice president, and yeah. that was why it's called Veep.
2: What does ASMR stand for? <laughs> Audio uh, sound Secret machine man recording? whispering.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're here first, folks. Mm-hmm. All right, Audio Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley. This is what's amazing to me. Charles you Barkley. Stop. That son's name. Was a, I mean, it
2: could be. He was did a. Did this guy have Sun. a weird golf swing? He did. He Notorious was a Philadelphia
1: son. 76er <laughs> uh-huh. and then was <laughs> okay. somehow, in the past, vice president for right. FDR. Adlai yeah. Barkley.
2: Yeah. Willie Barkley. Albin Barkley. Albin Barkley. Yeah. That name trips me out. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> his grandson is the one who didn't like to call him the vice president. So he called him Veep. So that cool. was like, yeah, you huh. know. How, like, kids call their grandparents, you know, NAMI. Whatever they want. Whatever they want. So it just stuck, and it stuck from from there on moving forward. That's cool. Yeah. He wasn't the first that Truman offered the vice presidency to. Okay. He first offered it to Supreme Court Justice William Douglas. William Douglas did not accept the nomination because he did not want to be, quote, a
0: number two to a number two man. I do remember that quote. That's a bird. Also, like, I would be interested to see how many vice presidents throughout history were not the first pick.
2: Most. Because it seems yeah. like most, right? A lot. Most. It's most. Yeah. 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 It was just like next man up. Yep. Yeah. Because he wasn't the first, and but he was a very good speaker. So, when they were on the campaign trail with Truman, he would do 16 speeches a day. Like, he would- Gosh. Like, he was- Wow. The, What's really cool is that you know there's audio recordings of all of this now. Yeah, so when yeah. I was reading about him, I was able to actually listen
0: He's to doing these speeches where
2: all over on the campaign trail. Oh, oh, yeah okay. on the on the campaign trail. Oh, he was
0: this was he campaigning against Dewey? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's an interesting story. We talked earlier about the rapid campaign yes. late yep. that he did for Senator Truman. He did for senator we'll have to talk about that yeah
2: well where normally they would have done like a whistle stop tour because it was so
0: (laughs) 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 oh i was imagining like the person with that one extra long front tooth oh yeah that's just my whistle tooth (laughs) that's
1: my whistling incisor uh
0: when he was
2: offered the vp nomination because he was so far down in the line Uh uh-huh when Truman offered it to him, he said- Turned not- out he was a wig. And nobody even checked. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds Great John familiar. Tyler reference, Blaine. <laughs> he said, I'm not interested in any biscuits that have been passed around hot to other people and come to me cold.
0: So, First, he decided to be the cold biscuit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well-
0: It was like at the end of the day, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think what he was basically- better
0: than no biscuit at all. You got to risk it to get the biscuit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was the campaign slogan, I think. yeah. Risk it to get the biscuit.
0: So Truman
1: was like, "Warm up the biscuit, give it to Charles Barkley."
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really. Pass um, the rock. and he was like, "I remember when, I remember when I had a warm biscuit. When you offered it to so many people." Russ, how did Alvin Barkley Hey, Russ, how did Alvin Barkley <laughs> <laughs> die? He died the way he lived,
2: Ryan. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: They chose nine people to die before him. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, after he was VP, he went back to Kentucky and ran for Senate again and won. Oh, good night. State Senate? Yes. Oh, wow. He was a Kentucky state senator. Wow. That is a step down. <laughs> he was <that laughs> is a step down. Yes, it really is. And he he considered himself a junior senator at that oh, point. Wow. Wow, which ties in wow. to the way he died. Okay, what? Ahead, so he oh. was at Lee University at a mock convention because home, home of the uh, the fighting cold
0: biscuits. Yeah, the fighting cold biscuits. I, I, everyone there's knows. actually in Indiana. Current title: Lee University. What's that? Uh, there's a kid that went to Mount Vernon High School. Oh yeah, uh, like was a relatively mediocre runner in high school. He's yeah. like won multiple national championships for Lee University. Just broke a four minute mile last weekend.
2: Do you know who couldn't have broke a four-minute mile record?
0: Uh Definitely Colt Biscuit over Alvin here. Albin Barkley?
2: Albin Colt Biscuit Barkley. Why is that? Yeah, because when he was at this mock convention at Lee University, he was referencing how he had basically become a junior senator again and didn't want his senior status. He wanted to sit kind of in the back row with the junior senators. Mm. He said... For I would rather be a servant in the house of the Lord than sit in the seats of the mighty. So basically saying, I want to be back there with the junior senators rather than in the White House. And when he said that, and this is recorded, I heard the audio, he collapsed and died of a heart attack. (laughs) Like immediately after he said it, he had a massive heart attack and died at 79 years old. Wow. Wow. The Lord was like,
1: I
0: hear you, Alvin. <laughs> he said, it is time to take it away. Yeah. Enjoy this cold biscuit.
3: Yeah.
0: Oh, man. That's wow. I'm really glad. At, there are certain presidents that I'm really glad I pay no attention to the vice president at mm-hmm. all. This yeah. is one of them. It's got to um, be all of them. Right? never heard of Alvin. <laughs> no, because some of the vice presidents become presidents. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 So. Russ, thank you. Mm-hmm. For the dedication you take. Uh
1: we've almost read fifteen thousand pages. You read maybe eight on Albin Barkley, and we greatly appreciate it. If that. It. So it's nineteen forty seven and Truman's popularity is uh is waning. The Republicans are using this 32%. midterm election. Yeah, this midterm election slogan of to air is Truman. <laughs> uh, and they'd basically win control of the house and two two men. And so he's in the latter half of his presidency and it's not looking good.
0: Uh, the economy crumbled. Yep. Uh, there inflation were inflation is through the roof. Tons of strikes. So yep. on. there were let's see. 800,000 steel workers walked off the job, 200,000 meat packers, 3,500 electric company employees, and 100,000 other workers. Yeah. Uh, Streetcars stopped running, office building closed. Uh, Pittsburgh mayor said, quote, this is a disaster. (laughs) End quote.
2: (laughs) Not the first time, not the last time. Yeah. Wait, so so – Whose campaign
1: slogan was, to err is Truman? (laughs) The Republicans in 1946.
0: Yeah, in the midterms. (laughs) Truman's Truman's response was, we're doing everything we possibly can. Oh, (laughs) okay. All right. That just instills (laughs) confidence in Thanks, Hank. So in
1: 1947, Secretary of State George Marshall announces this multi-billion dollar aid program for Europe, which became known as the Marshall Plan, which was all about... Getting political and economic stability in Europe, along with basically trying to help the suffering populations of Europe under communism. Truman became the first president in 1947 to address the NAACP. That same summer, speaking to a crowd of 10,000, Truman declared that, quote, the only limit to an American's achievement should be his ability, his industry, and his character. Around this time, 1947, was when McCarthyism Was not yet in full swing, but anti-communism was. The
0: House of Un-American Activities. The
1: HUAC, originally formed in 1938, was originally formed to investigate Nazi propaganda, but it basically then went, swung the other way and tried to (laughs) investigate, you know, Hollywood. A famous member of that committee, Blaine, was? McCarthy? Richard
0: Nixon. Oh, well, I stand by my statement. McCarthy was definitely a famous member of that committee. Nixon was was benign. For those that don't know, it's called McCarthyism. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: this whole red scare concept. Basically, Truman kind
0: of went along with it at the time because it was an election year. That's a stain on his legacy.
1: This is a big thing that happens in 1947 that has basically the wake is even into our modern era. The ramifications of this National Security Act,
0: 1947.
1: So, Blaine, what happened in that?
0: Tell us about it. Well, the Air Force became its own branch which is cute. And then, uh, (laughs) spoken like someone from the (laughs) army.
1: (laughs) My grandfather and uncle are like career air force. So I'm just
0: going to let you say that. (laughs) Uh, no, they do lots of great things. And then they basically, uh, that also formed what is the modern DOD. Yes. So, uh, lots of bureaucracy, lots of rules, lots of things you have to jump through and multiple outdated computers, uh, I hope you guys have your computers plugged in right now if you're trying to work on them because as soon as you unplug them you've lost all progress. <laughs> Sorry about you. Yeah.
1: Not to mention the CIA and the National <sighs> Security Council which basically still to this day advises the president on issues related primarily to American foreign policy. So this is a big deal in 1947. You get Department of Defense, the CIA and
0: the National Alan Security Duels. Duelists. Dulles. Dulles or Dulles, whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He doesn't deserve me to pronounce his name right. That piece. Do you know who the
2: first vice president on the National Security Council was? Was mm-hmm. it Barkley? It was Albin Cold Biscuit Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, you don't say. So the answer is
0: yes.
1: Um, <laughs> Blaine, did anything else happen in 1947?
0: His daughter became a professional singer. Fans loved her. Like, I think, I don't know why. Critics did not. <laughs> And he actually wrote, like, an actual letter to one of the critics. Let me find it here. Um, Oh, here we go. This is fantastic. First of all, what page is this on? Uh, 829. (laughs) I hate life. (laughs) So this dude, Hume, wrote this letter. Or wrote an article. He was yes. doing his job, is he, what he, he was doing. A music like, critic. like he was a music critic. Yeah. He was doing his job. Douglas Hume and the president wrote him a letter that said, "Mr. Hume, I've just read your lousy review of Margaret's concert." Which, <laughs> side note, of course, his daughter's name was Margaret. Yeah,
3: the very nineteen. <laughs> I've come to
0: the conclusion that you are a frustrated old man. Hume was thirty-four. Oh, who wishes he could have been successful when you write such poppycock as was in the back <laughs> section of the paper you work for. It shows conclusively that you're off the beam and at least four of your ulcers are at work. Wow. Someday I hope to meet you. When that happens, you'll need a new nose, a lot of beefsteak for <laughs> black eyes and perhaps a supporter below. Oh, my. Wow. West Book Pegler. A gutter snipe is a gentleman alongside you. I hope you'll accept that statement as a worse insult than a reflection on your ancestry. Um, So he threatened someone in writing as acting sitting president. He was like, I'm going to kick you in (laughs) the ball. Because he said, your daughter's a bad singer. What's a gutter snipe?
1: I don't know what a gutter snipe is, but I know that Douglas Hume must have been shaking in his boots to get that from President Truman.
0: Yeah, shaking, like from laughter.
2: Right. Yeah, a gutter snipe no, is a scruffy and badly behaved child who spends most of their time on the street. Oh.
3: Yeah. Okay, all right.
0: Huh. I do have a question about 1948 for you, Russ. Okay. Oh, boy. Nineteen forty oh, May 14th, 1948. Yep, you see yep, where yep. I'm going with this? Was the date that Harry S. Truman officially recognized Israel as a country. <laughs> okay. Uh, your thoughts.
1: As our, as our, I should as our resident just expert now, on Israel, if you're just now pulling up Harry Truman's episode, this is the first one you've listened to. Russ is from Israel.
2: I'm not from Israel.
0: Russ is Jewish.
2: I am. Uh, that's great. That's great. And you know what? After that, it just worked out great.
0: <laughs> Russ specifically told me before this, he didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so naturally, we asked him about his thoughts.
2: Yeah. No, that's super cool. Yeah.
0: So Dewey and Warren seemed like an unbeatable ticket. Oh, actually, hold on, hold on. at one point, on. his daughter's piano caused the floor to collapse, uh, collapsing on his own bathroom. He had to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom while it was fixed, which caused the entire remodel of the White House. It was a complete yeah. gutted the White House, and they reinforced everything with like steel beams. And just made it what it is today. Yeah. So if you have been to the White House uh-huh. since you've been alive, since I'm assuming zero people listening to this have been to the White House pre-Harry Truman, <laughs> <laughs> you
1: you have Harry Truman to thank for what you saw. Yes. Harry Truman also caught a lot of flack at the time, but he was responsible for the White House balcony. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. The White House balcony that you've seen that most recently President Trump was squinting at the eclipse <laughs>
2: from. He looked right at it. He looks right at it. He looks
1: right at it. (laughs) Also in 1948, NATO is formed to counter Soviet power between the United States, Canada, and a lot of Western Europe. In 1948, West Germany is eventually formed in 1949. But summer of 1948, the U.S., England, and France are each occupying a zone of Germany. So that is happening at the time. Do you remember Eddie Jacobson? Harry Truman's war buddy who he had a haberdashery
0: yeah, with. You've, okay? Yeah, you told us to put a pin in
1: it. So we did. Eddie Jacobson, as you may recall. Haberdashery. Fr- family of Lithuanian immigrant Jews. Correct. Eddie finds out about what's happening to Jews in Germany before and during World War II, and he takes it to his friend, who is now the president. Okay, they used to run the canteen together over in France in like 1918. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to the Oval Office and saying, Hey, buddy. We got to talk. So you'll never
0: believe it. I asked my mom to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. He's like, you didn't. (laughs) You didn't. didn't." (laughs) What'd she say? She said she'd rather sleep on the floor. That classic (laughs) Mrs. Truman.
1: Okay. So Eddie is learning about the post-war reports of the Holocaust. And he talks with Truman about how to help the Jewish people. He visits him on March 13th, 1948 at the White House. And he persuades the president to meet with Zionist leader, Dr. Chaim Weissman. Truman had become really irritated with a lot of lobbying that was happening from Zionists... And he said, I don't want to hear from any other spokesman. But Jacobson, his old war buddy, reminds him, he says quote, your hero is Andrew Jackson. I have a hero too. He's the greatest Jew alive. I'm talking about Chaim Weissman. He's an old man and he's very sick and he's traveled thousands of miles to see you and now you're putting him off. This isn't like you Harry. And so Truman agrees to meet with Weisman, and partly as a result of Eddie Jacobson's efforts the United States became the first nation to grant diplomatic recognition to this new state of israel on may 14th 1948 wow so his old war buddy gets in his ear to meet with Heim weissman over in israel to basically create this new state may 14th 1948 may 14th 1948 oh pretty cool i had no idea i just thought like these guys have been in the trenches together and eddie is coming back years later to say hey man i know i can get your ear when it counts and now it does so why don't
0: we take a break and then when we come back we'll talk about Dewey defeats Truman. Okay. Second term, briefly. Yep. And legacy and little known facts. Let's do it. You're listening to episode 33, The Farmer of the Presidential Podcast.
1: Hey guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson riding a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your order set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back, friends. Another big thing that happened in 1948 was that Truman embraced fully the cause of civil rights, and he issued an executive order desegregating the military and another one outlawing discrimination in the civil service.
0: Yeah, you're right. He, he was the first one that pushed for civil rights in the State of the Union in 1948. He was the first real president to like take that real heart of a stance, and it did seem like he meant it because he desegregated the military. Yeah. Well, and then Eisenhower was the one that desegregated the bases on the military, too. We'll talk about that yeah, next episode. Yeah, per- Korean War was really like, integrated. It was phases, as sure. all were. So he toured the country in his presidential train, the Ferdinand Magellan. That couldn't um, have been the name of his train. That was How did I name? miss that? Ferdinand Magellan. Wow. He told the large crowds as he was campaigning to vote for themselves And Dewey in the large election was polling at 51 to 37%. Like it was a landslide. Yeah. It looked like it was going to run away. And his campaign kept running out of money. So Mm -hmm. much so that like he couldn't leave campaign stops. Like he couldn't pay for the train to leave the station. Yeah. (laughs) So they'd have to do like micro fundraising events to get the the train to leave. But he kept doing like furious campaigning at the end of the campaign when Dewey was pretty much already a winner. And if you remember back when he was running for state senate the second time, he did the same thing and won. And shockingly, he had on election day cut the lead from 51 to 37 to 49 to 44. Gosh. And then famously, you know, Dewey defeats Truman. Okay. And it always, it kind of came down to like, Dewey was a boring dude. He was a very dry personality. He was the New York
1: governor at the time.
0: Okay. And he had this weird like John Waters mustache okay. that definitely couldn't have helped. No. Um, this had to have been the biggest political upset ever.
1: Yeah. Right. So the reason why you may have seen, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, the incorrect headline, Dewey defeats Truman.
0: is because so- it was in every single one of your textbooks. In every high school of all time.
1: What I learned in, in this book and some other research that I did was there was a strike in the printing union oh. that basically they weren't going to work up to this certain point. And the poll numbers looked as though Dewey was going to win this thing. Oh. So they're like, we're going to stop working for a while. We got to go to press with this. So let's print it. What had happened was Truman ended up winning this election and all these papers are out there and he gets handed one. Uh, and yeah, he's like, I'll hold it up. <laughs> Fine, I'll, hold I'll hold up anything. I he held up Missouri absolutely. for years. Yeah. He does have a, a pretty bleep eating grin on his face in that picture when he's holding that newspaper
0: up. So wouldn't you? Of course. S- of course. Take that. Small guy from Missouri. Haberdasher. Yeah. 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 Haberdasher defeats money, man. Yeah. Where was Dewey from? New York. He's got to be from New York. Yeah. He in New and New York. his running mate was from California. I know that.
1: Truman was inaugurated on January 20th, 1949. His was the first televised inaugural ceremony. After it not being held for 36 years, Truman reinstated the
0: official inaugural ball. So it wasn't like a ball that like, we gave out to people. Like, here's the inaugural yep. ball. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I accept it. And I, so I accept the it inaugural ball. Oh, where should I put it? <laughs> Truman announced a
1: pretty ambitious agenda in early 1949, which he called the Fair Deal. This was a collection of social and economic economic policies that a lot of the liberals in the Democratic Party supported. Public opinion polls, though, showed that most Americans wanted Truman to protect FDR's New Deal, not enlarge it, like he was trying to do. And on October 1st, 1949, something big happened in China that is going to play into Eisenhower's episode as well. So Mao Zedong declared the founding of the People's Republic of China, and Truman was then confronted with this firestorm in American politics that were touched off by this Chinese communist victory. So nowadays we think, you know, communist China, we don't know when it always happened though. Back in 1949 under Harry Truman is when this all set off. Also, this is going to come up in Nixon's episode as well, because for a long time, China had been shut off. And then Nixon then reopens our policy with uh, with China. Also in 1949, another big event happened where the Soviet Union successfully tested an atomic weapon of their own in the late summer of 1949, which totally made Truman reshift his entire strategy for national security. Cold War. Cold War, yep. taken off. In 1950, January of 1950, he authorized the development of an even more powerful weapon, the hydrogen bomb, to counter the Soviets, which basically accelerates this whole arms race, which lasts really all the way up through Reagan. You time, think it Timeline as far as, like, tear down this wall, like, I mean, this is a 40-year stretch of... Cold War that's really going on. Sure. He also approved the National Security Council document NSC-68 that reevaluated American military strategy, and it really stressed this need for a massive buildup of nuclear forces, no matter the cost. Blaine, let's dive into the Korean War. Raytheon and
0: Northrop Grumman rejoiced.
2: (laughs) They sure did. (laughs) Huzzah, they said. Yeah. Yeah,
0: let's dive into the Korean War. Wow, it's weird. It just fell into our laps. I guess we'll keep making money hand over fist about it.
1: Korean War. I think along with World War One, this is often a forgotten war in America's history.
2: Or well, it's I mean, because
0: it's not a war. It's it was a conflict. The police, what would they call it? What was the term? It was, it was like, like
2: a, a police intervention or yeah, something sun, like Yeah,
0: like we don't call it, well, it's the Korean War, but like officially it wasn't a war. Correct. All right. So in the wake of World War
1: II, Korea had been partitioned at the 38th parallel with the Soviets supporting a communist regime north of that boundary and the Americans supporting a non-communist one in the south. June 25th, 1950. It's
0: important to remember, too, that at the end of World War II, we were allies with the Soviet Union. That's correct. Yes. June twenty fifth, nineteen
1: fifty. A little sidebar, a very personal uh, side in my family history. That's the day that my grandparents were married.
0: Oh yes, this wow. is an interesting story. Yeah. West Point
1: grad, my grandfather, yeah. and uh, he gets married. Not the Air
0: Force, and the, not yet the, the Army, <laughs> Army.
1: And then. Uh, the Korean War breaks out on their wedding day, and then he mm-hmm. goes into pilot training and then goes overseas. But anyway, North Korea launches a surprise invasion of South Korea. The UN immediately condemns North Korea, and Truman and his advisors are discussing the American response to it. So General Douglas MacArthur is under the direction to intervene from Truman. The first U.S. troops did little to stop the onslaught as North Korean forces made rapid progress in their march down the Korean Peninsula. By August, we were holed up in a defensive perimeter on the southeastern tip of South Korea. Korea, and MacArthur launches this audacious counterattack the following month that features an amphibious landing behind enemy lines at Incheon on the western coast of South Korea near the capital of Seoul. MacArthur's gamble worked. American forces rapidly drove the North Koreans back to the border at the 38th parallel. MacArthur then received permission from the Truman administration to cross the border to secure the final defeat of North Korea. The danger, though, was very obvious. So the Soviet Union and China both bordered North Korea, and neither wanted an American-led military force or an American ally right on their
0: border. So, like many other times in history, what we did, what we said, we did what we came to accomplish. But... What if we keep going? Mm. (laughs) And so so we decided to go north the 38th parallel, and it caused all sorts of problems. Um, To your point, I think it was more like the Chinese resistance than Soviet. Yeah. Um, Probably made most famous by the Chosin Reservoir Battle, which was... The Frozen Chosen is what they were called. That was actually the name of my battalion when I was the 10th Mountain Division. This was a battle that made a Marine by the name of Chesty Puller. Very famous. He's probably the most famous Marine. If you don't know about Chesty Puller, he'd probably be a good person to do a bonus bonus episode episode on. He's like the most famous Marine of all time.
2: (laughs) His name is Chesty. Puller? Chesty
0: Puller, yeah, wow, that's joined a great the Marines name. at like sixteen by lying. He had a bunch of really famous quotes. He was like the famous quote guy from the Marines. Like, cool. if the Marines wanted me to have the wife, they would issue me one. Like one one point in Chosen Reservoir Battle, he was surrounded and he was like, "Good, we got him right where we want him. Shoot wherever you want." <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I always thought the Frozen Chosen was. And this is serious. I thought the Frozen Chosen was talking about the Presbyterian denomination of Christianity. I guess oh, they're too- a little stiff. This is Uh, the frozen Chosin. Yeah, Chosin. Chosin. Not chosen. uh, I get
0: that. It's the Chosin Reservoir. I mean, it was one of those things that like many units that places are named after now. It was not a win for us. Like it was, we snatched uh, a a stalemate out of the jaws of defeat, if you will. And it was engineering ingenuity, right? Like our engineers got us out. They built these bridges to get us out because we were surrounded on all sides. And actually at one point there was like a... The story goes, there was a like code word for dropping a Tootsie Roll, and the Tootsie Roll was like a resupply package, but the guy that got the call didn't know that it was a code word, so they dropped like literal, like a whole freaking pallet of Tootsie Rolls. Really? (laughs) And what that did was they realized these Tootsie Rolls, like that was all the sustenance and supply they had for like days. What they realized was if you suck on Tootsie Rolls long enough, they'll become like malleable, and then you like- smack them up against like a bullet hole on the side of a car or a a humvee if you will and they freeze they will repair a bullet hole wow so like this (laughs) accidental drop of tootsie rolls like saved the chosen reservoir battle like
2: russ is (laughs) over there i don't understand what you're talking about So,
0: (laughs) so you're saying they were using a code word Right. To get it like a supply drop. And the guy that heard the code word was like, they want Tootsie tootsie Rolls. rolls." And and somebody that heard that was like, okay. So, they dropped Tootsie tootsie Rolls rolls. and then they used those Tootsie Rolls. To like repair like bullet wounds, to repair bullet holes in the sides of vehicles like as sustenance. Like, cause if, like, cause they were frozen solid, so they yeah. would have to suck on them for a long time to get them, like, to be able to chew them. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. 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 Wow. Sure. Naturally. <laughs> um, that is crazy. So anyway, the Frozen Chosen uh, is probably the most famous battle post Inchon okay. of the Korean War. Whew. Um, Definitely not a win, but shows a lot of American ingenuity. And like as much as the Marines and the infantry, as much as we'd love to take credit for that, engineers won that battle. Mm. Good for you, engineers. You built those bridges. They figured out how like, because the Chinese came in and blew every bridge out. We were stuck in this basic like frozen island. And the engineers figured out how to build like with whatever was around, like bridges to get tanks out of this Place. that's awesome that's insane yeah the chinese ended the battle in late november a
1: huge counterattack.
0: russ
2: i uh, sorry i i can't wrap my head around the fact so you looked that it up and i'm tootsie right rolls how tootsie rolls accidentally saved marines <laughs> during the war i don't see you i can wrap I my head around look. it there you go there <laughs> Continue. You go.
1: also just want to recognize my late grandfather's service as a pilot in the korean war after general macarthur Publicly challenged Truman's military
0: strategy in the spring of 1951. Wake Island. Yeah, Truman, so Truman fires McCarthy because partially because of this Wake Island encounter. So we're kind of at the end of the, the Korean War. If you remember, going all the way back to the Civil War. Sure. Like, MacArthur has very historic ties yes, to his, the American uh, Would That have
1: been his grandfather.
0: I think it was yes. It was his grandfather was the one that put the True. flag
1: up. At the Rock
0: of Chickamauga, yeah, I think it
1: was Chickamauga, yeah.
0: Either way, sure. This dude, his whole life, he's like Arthur MacArthur. That was that guy, Arthur MacArthur. (laughs) Douglas is like the if Lieutenant Dan were successful. Okay. Right? So, like, when you remember in Forrest sure. Gump, they yeah. see the Lieutenant Dan ancestors die yes. in the Revolutionary War and the Civil yes. War. Like, that's MacArthur. I but had a destiny for, and you but took that from me and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> MacArthur did it successfully. And he basically, as as Evelyn Fox would say, got too big for his britches. Mm. And when Evelyn Truman- Fox came, being your- My great-grandmother. There she is. Uh, when oh. Truman came to visit, he- Met him on the flight line. What was he going to do? Was mm-hmm. he going to show up late so the president would have to wait for him? Yeah. He didn't do that. He showed up on time. He was early even. He was waiting. But he was in, like, dirty clothes. I got the book. So What Truman's, page is this? Uh, 802. We actually went back. By and the told. way, uh, just friendly reminder, you're welcome for all the reading <laughs> that we're doing. As Truman stepped from the plane and came down the ramp, MacArthur stood waiting at the bottom with every appearance of warmth and friendliness while onlookers noticed that the general failed to salute the president. Mm. And though Truman seems to have been somewhat put out by MacArthur's attire, his open-neck shirt, his greasy ham and eggs cap, Mm. the greeting between them was extremely cordial. However, narrator, but it was not extremely cordial. Basically, (laughs) Truman took this as a huge slight. Like, you didn't... Salute the president, yeah. and he was wearing, from the best terms I can put it, he was wearing field gear yeah. when he should have been in formal gear. Got it. The distinction between a dress uniform and like your your ACUs, like mm-hmm. what we call ACUs, your normal duty uniform, what like what you what's that stand for? Army Combat Uniform. Okay. So like okay. the thing you would see me in a normal time, like sure. the camo pajamas yeah. for lack of a better term. But I have two sets of those. I have a set of those for when I'm going to be like in the office or at garrison, as we would call it. And then I have another set for the field.
3: Hmm.
0: So there's a field uniform. It's dirtier. Your hat's dirtier. It's more comfortable. Like, you know, you're not going to need to be formal. And then there's an office uniform where like maybe you're going to have to talk to somebody or be in a meeting, but you're not in your dress uniform. He kind of went out of his way to make sure he was in his field uniform Mm. for the president to say like, Hey, I don't have to do anything for you. Yeah. That was the beginning and the end for MacArthur. Yeah. And when you get that kind of like arrogance about you, like you probably are gonna get fired. Yeah. Like, yeah. What'd
1: you expect, bro? You gotta come in. I did not know that Truman survived an assassination attempt.
0: Oh, Torresola? and yes. Oscar
1: Colazo. That's right.
0: Good pronunciation. Puerto Rican nationalist, That's right? That's correct. Yeah. November first, nineteen
1: fifty.
0: Yeah. Grisolo Torresolo, and Oscar Colazzo. So while the White House was renovated,
1: like you mentioned earlier, Blaine, these two Puerto Rican nationals stormed the Blair House where the Trumans were staying at the time. Terrasola and a policeman died in the gunfight, and Colazzo was arrested and sentenced to death. However, Truman commuted his sentence, and in 1979, President Jimmy Carter freed him from prison.
0: (sighs) It's like a real Sirhan Sirhan situation
3: yeah
1: here we go 1951 and 1952 we're getting through it
0: okay okay
2: we're keeping keeping this train on the tracks tootsie okay. rolls
1: um so re- was i
0: mostly right
2: <laughs> you were absolutely right it is the craziest thing i've ever read <laughs> i,
0: I love can we that. keep that in there that like i was yes. just doing that off memory and that, you just looked it up and like i'm yeah. shocked i got it all right it is crazy i just wonder, like. <laughs>
1: From the code word misunderstanding to a pallet or a giant amount of Tootsie Rolls, like where do you
0: get when, well, like, how, how many, many steps people, is it between the misunderstanding <laughs> the and the people goes, loading it up? Like, somebody's going, Actually, that's just a code word, guys. Like, we needed to get him medical supplies. and all Nobody this. said that, yeah.
2: everybody said, Yeah, the candy. <laughs> this
0: is <laughs> where the hell crazy. do we get Tootsie Rolls? I don't know, but you we got a pallet of them,
1: we got to get them. <laughs> So in 1951, uh, Truman is starting to hint at his aides that he's not going to run again for the presidency. And, uh, you know, there was a lot going on at this time. And basically his will for running for a third term was getting sapped left and right. Now he's looking for his successor. OK, so he first focuses on the chief justice, Fred Vinson, then on General Dwight Eisenhower. Both men refused, however, with Eisenhower announcing in January of 52 that he was a Republican. So, Truman then turns to Illinois Governor Adlai Stevenson, who also refuses. Governor Stevenson won the Democratic nomination at the party's convention in July, only to face Eisenhower in the general election. Truman, at the time, campaigned really hard for Stevenson, and his relationship with Eisenhower then turned bitter as a result. Eisenhower wins in 1952 with a really overwhelming victory over Stevenson and the Democrats.
0: Fun story. He ordered Eisenhower's son John home from Korea so he really attend the inauguration. Yeah. And for those of you that have listened to every episode, you might remember John Eisenhower as the writer of the book of Zachary Taylor. That's right. Oh, oh that's, that's right. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he, it's a reverse theophany. Yes, it's an yeah. oh. <laughs>
3: it.
0: I had totally forgotten about that.
1: You're right. So John Eisenhower at the time is serving over in Korea and. The president, uh, Harry Truman at the time, wants mm-hmm. his son to be able to see his dad inaugurated in
0: D.C. And I don't. So, once again, puts personal preference aside and says, hey, your son should be able to see this. And okay. I have the power to make that happen.
1: How did that get communicated to John? And did
0: John know that the president was pulling strings? Yes, but Dwight didn't. Okay. okay. Dwight wouldn't have wanted that to happen. Correct. And I don't think John wanted it to happen, but it was one of those like hey, my dad's becoming president. Like, that's the type of yeah. thing I need to go home for.
1: If, if you were in John's unit, would you have been like, all right, man, you got to go home?
0: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah, yeah. You got to go do this.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, your dad's becoming, please cool. leave. Also, like, we don't ever want to see you again because you're probably <laughs> going to be a China. <laughs> <laughs> here take some tootsie rolls on the way home i also i do have a fun i was on a mission at one point where we requested a supply drop and got nothing but a pallet of chocolate otis spunkmeyer muffins <laughs> and i we lived on those for three days it was all i ate for three days where were you Blake? afghanistan um, why
1: Otis Spunkmeyer muffins?
0: Well, um, that was I don't. They had the contract. I don't fucking know. The <laughs> I can't eat Otis Spunkmeyer muffins to this day. Yeah, I have a son named Otis. Oddly <laughs> enough, wow. um, is but, that why? No, no, it's not why. It was supposed to be like forty-eight hour mission. It turned into like a ninety-six hour mission. So we needed to just get a quick supply drop. We we're like, drop us some MREs or whatever. And they dropped a pallet of muffins and we were like, well, <laughs> guess this is what we're eating for two wow. days. Wow. <laughs> what do you do when you open that up and you see just
1: all muffins? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of expletives. Yeah. And you just pass them out, each guy gets what, five or six muffins?
0: Well, well, I don't know I, how this Yeah, works. yeah, you well, yeah, you basically pass them out, but like the whole time you're like, you literally like open it up, and it's just like these, mugs, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> fucking everybody, fucking split these fucking muffins up because this is all we have to fucking eat the next four fucking days. Because who fucking knows when we're gonna get back? Like, split up the fucking muffins. That's all we're fucking eating. Like, that's what happens when when that drop happens. Like, you're just f-ing losing your. G- Mind and like, it just <laughs> this sounds like a Morse code telegram.
2: <laughs> How does that happen? I, I'm, I'm really getting a. We I'm call really up and we're like, here.
0: "Hey, bro." Like, and obviously, it's more formal. We need more food. We were only expect like, it was a, you're going to be gone for two days. We're like, dope. Everybody packs for two days. And at the end of those two days, they're like, one more day. And you're like, well, we can make a stretch. And they're like, actually, you're going to be out for like two or three more days. So, we're like, cool. We'll get a speedball. That's the name of it. And they'll just drop this bag. Like, it's called a speedball. Like, okay. literally, a helicopter comes with a bag. And they just cut it, drops down. You run out, grab it, yeah. split it up. Put in your packs. Move on. Okay. We get out there. Whole speedball, nothing but muffins. Wow. Like, and Moving like somebody forward. at some point was like, actually, I almost feel bad for them because at some point there were there was definitely a guy that was like, no, we are not doing this. We got to get them stuff. Yeah. And somebody else was like, well, this is all we have. And they're like, no, we got to find MREs or something yeah. like. And they were like, nope. So what we got. They need it right now. We got to get it because it was probably like a weather thing where they weren't going to have a flight later. So they had to just get something on a bird or something like that. Like now, you know, hindsight 2020 are probably reasons for it. They weren't good ones and there weren't good decisions (laughs) made. Yeah. yeah. But those were the decisions that were made at the time. But it makes a fun story because like every single person that I was on the mission with, like we have the muffin story. Yes. You know, yeah. Like
2: yeah,
1: did you ever meet the Muffin Man?
0: <laughs> That's a fun story, Blaine. Thank
1: you. What is
2: Spunkmeyer? Yeah, <laughs> they sent them a pallet of tootsie rolls. <laughs> How does that get past person number one? <laughs> so it's 1953.
1: The Trumans leave the White House and they return to Missouri, where Truman spent his post-presidential years guarding and constructing his legacy. He also continued to comment on for political nine events. years. Yeah. Nine years.
0: Yeah, overseeing. The Presidential Library.
1: Yes. He also published two volumes of his memoirs at the time in 55 and 56. You know, he lasted through, I think, LBJ. He he got along really well with JFK and LBJ.
0: He was actually um, the first president to have Secret Service in retirement. Oh. I don't know if you're going to do this in Little Known yes, Facts. Yes, no. Go, 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 go. The reason was because JFK was shot. Yeah. So after that, I think he was like the first one to have Secret Service as a VP, and it was because they knew FDR was in poor health. Okay. He didn't realize why he was getting Secret Service as a VP, yeah. but that was why. And so okay. that was why he did the whole Jesus Christ and General Jackson. Oh, yeah. Is because yeah. he had a Secret Service agent right there that Got told it. him right you away. Told him, yeah. I, I um, should
1: say he lasted through Nixon. Do you remember who the Secret Service was formed under? Russ, a very important date in history. No. Okay. Andrew Johnson. Abraham Lincoln. No, so, oh, I thought right. it was
0: because it was after Abraham Lincoln. Because the, it, the, the secret same day service, that he
1: was shot. He signed the secret service into. Right. Because the secret action.
0: service was originally intended to stop counterfeit Confederate conf- counterfeit money. Yeah. And most, and I actually have a friend that's, that's a fan of the podcast. That's yeah. a secret service member. Oh, cool. He's told me that the majority of their job is like fraud cases. Yeah. Financial yep. fraud.
1: I think April 14th, 1865, Good Friday, 1865, he signed it into law. So on December 5th, 1972, Truman was admitted to the hospital in Kansas City, Missouri with pneumonia. He developed multiple organ failure, fell into a coma, and died at 7.50 a.m. on December 26th, 1972, at the age of 88 His wife, Bess, arranged for an Episcopalian funeral service in the auditorium of his Truman library. Bess had arranged for a Baptist minister and the Grand Masonic leader of Missouri to conduct the proceedings. I believe he was a master Mason, like 33 degree Mason, which is like... Black Belt. Yeah. Yeah. Six Sigma. Ninja.
2: (laughs) 33 is the highest degree of Mason?
0: What I does that mean? So. You just put so many bricks means. down. All in all, it's just another brick in I the mean, wall.
1: Freemasonry, gosh, you could do an entire episode on that. But yes, it's like the. So, Freemasonry
0: is when you're not using machine to put the bricks down, you're just doing it by hand.
1: Well, you have to pay for the masonry. And then the Freemasonry is then <laughs> when you.
3: <laughs>
0: volunteer masonry. work.
1: Yeah, <laughs> volunteer. Volunteer (laughs) bricklaying. For the next decade, Bess lived in the same house until her death in 1982, even keeping her husband... She was
0: 126. She
1: was not. (laughs) She was close. She close. She kept her husband's coat hanging on the coat rack where it remains to this day. Just
3: in case.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She died at 97 years old. Good. Making Bess Truman the longest-lived first lady to date don't really want to talk about this, but I believe later in Russ his wants, life, Russ Russ later in his life there was, I can't remember his name, but there was a Jewish journalist, maybe a host of a program. Malcolm Gladwell. No.
2: Rube Goldberg. No, nope.
1: no,
3: nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, who was doing, you know, an interview with Truman later in his life. And Truman went to pick him up. And this guy was like, Hey, why aren't we going into your house? And he said, that's best Truman's house. And she wouldn't allow you in. <gasps> oh man she's the best best. best. so (laughs) there you go let's talk about his legacy i was struck and now granted this is the longest book that we had read it took me a month to read and we read these books like six months prior to the dates that we recorded so some of it as we're preparing the notes for the podcast we have to go back and really remember what we read but i was really struck by how much truman dealt from a foreign policy standpoint He's in office for eight years. First of all, he's the VP of a guy who doesn't really like him to begin with. And then he becomes president. And he's on the world stage immediately. He guided us through World War II. I say us like we were around, but you know what I mean. The end of World War II. The end of World War II. Yes, yes, thank you. The end of World War II. The arms race with the Soviets. The dawning of the atomic age. The Korean this is War. The
0: dawning of the
3: <laughs> Age of
1: Atomius. <laughs> Age of Atomius.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> and the creation of the State of Israel. Yeah. All, I love I mean, all the people that are like, that is not something to joke about. Like, true. we weren't joking. We were just making a new song. Yeah. We've had, <laughs> we've had a couple bourbons in honor of Harry Truman. And, you know, the ends of these
1: episodes get a little loose. He also died when the nation was. Consumed with Vietnam and Watergate. His death brought this new wave of fascination with Harry Truman's political career. So it's the mid 1970s and he kind of becomes this political folk hero in America. He's basically synonymous with like integrity character. I get when, it. When basically everything in the White House at the time of his death is mm-hmm.
0: nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And so this was interesting too. High integrity man killed an entire city twice. Like that's the weird juxtaposition about him, right? He was like, if you look back, the one thing he aspired to was to be a good farmer in Missouri. Like Mm. that's the height of life. That's the top. Like he, he worked really hard when he was in the white house. He overworked. I think he realized like he wasn't, maybe qualified yeah i think that was always in the back of his head yeah like i'm not qualified so he i mean the guy worked his ass off yeah but he killed two whole cities i don't know where we all stand on the spectrum maybe we needed to do that maybe that was the maybe he was the person to have to make that Mm -hmm. decision that needed to be made but it is a weird thing to like think about the farmer from missouri wiping out a country
1: yeah I think that was going to be FDR regardless of uh, you know if oh, if FDR that dude have, had no empathy he was, he going, was going to do it yeah. as well it just fell under Truman's watch sure. um but if you think about that like I was I was on a phone with with a good friend on the way here tonight and he's like what are you doing tonight I'm like I'm recording a podcast on Harry Truman he's like oh wow he goes are you going to bring up the fact that he's the only dude in history to use an atomic weapon the only person oh. in how many billions of people have ever lived huh
0: the, the only way. person that brings up a better point. Like imagine the dudes that had to actually open the door.
1: In the Enola gay in the boxcar. Yeah. Right? right. Right. I think I like, think
0: Like so so to, to your friend's point. Yeah. He's the only one that made the decision. But they're really only two dudes that ever opened those doors. Yeah, or two crews yeah. of, of guys.
1: Yeah, really. Right, yeah.
0: Like, that's pretty wild.
1: You know, I think those guys, again, this isn't in the book.
0: I think they're, everybody from both of those planes died of radiation.
1: We read one book on this. And so I I'm would almost say, positive about that. But but is that true? I, I think, I'm almost positive I, about that. I think they had to come in and basically
0: launch these
1: bombs on an effective U-turn.
0: Right, because they had to get the hell out of there. But I think they all still had super radiation poisoning. Although this one dude that survived both of them, like he lived till like 1997, or maybe like later than that.
1: Unreal. This was interesting too. So when Truman left office in '53, Mm -hmm. he was one of the most unpopular presidents in history at the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. his approval rating was 22 Mm percent in the Gallup poll, which was lower than Nixon's. 24 percent in august of 74 the year he resigned
2: wow really yeah
1: however this is the interesting point we do this every episode so according to c-span's presidential historian survey truman currently sits at number six below his successor eisenhower and above thomas jefferson Hmm. Hmm. harry truman a haberdasher from missouri great war veteran and college dropout. Couldn't Mm -hmm. get into West Point because of his flat eyeballs. Flat Flat eyeballs. eyeballs.
0: He's a flat eyeball.
1: (laughs) Is ranked by a group of presidential historians. Who are like the
0: dudes that are considered the guys to make the list. They
1: could write the books that we read. Higher. Rank him higher than the author of the Declaration of Independence. We do this every episode if you're just now listening to Truman, which we realize, you know, now that we're entering the, now the, I mean, literally the second half of the 20th century with his presidency, you might just be joining the podcast journey right now in this episode, but we have a wealth of episodes behind us. It's about to get fun. I mean, <laughs> it it's is. been fun
0: before, but Oof. boy. It is getting more and more (laughs) fun. Like, here's the thing about. Well, here's the thing from FDR on. There's no more boring presidents. Yeah. Like, right. There are some presidents that we had to make it work. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, to our credit, we did. We did. We made Taft work. We made Franklin Pierce work. Yeah. Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore. We no longer have to do that. (laughs) No. We are riding on their coattails, not the other way around. Like, you're welcome, Franklin Pierce. We (laughs) made you seem cool. All right. We don't have to do that anymore. Now we just get to provide the jokes and, you know, <laughs> the songs that we yeah. translate. What we did Larry is Truman. we saved the best for last.
2: Sometimes the snow <laughs> comes down and, sh-
0: and that's what we did. We saved the best you for last. Been, but- we saved the best for season three. Hold did on. you wait, know? Wait, 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 wait. Hold
1: on. Before we do that, okay. we do this every episode. Oh. Harry Truman is the reason the United States of America. <sighs> Let's go.
2: Russ, what you got? <laughs> I mean, blew up two cities. Okay. Hey oh, hey oh
0: wow. That's tough. Well, is the reason that we have like that one picture in every textbook. Okay. Dewey defeats Truman. Oh yeah. 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 Like every single like anybody that paid half of the attention in high school knows Harry Truman was a president. They don't know half the presidents. They know Harry Truman was one because Dewey defeats Truman. Fake news. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go because we have the CIA
1: because of <laughs> we have an integrated Alan military. Dool. Oh, I hate that guy. Integrated yeah. military. That's big. We also all have
0: to watch pre-flight safety videos <laughs> due to Harry Truman. Really? That's good. See with the stuff like the integrated military and things yeah. like, like I could feel like that would have happened almost no matter what person okay. was in that okay. position. Yeah. Yeah. The pre flight safety video. Yeah. Fair. You, you, you win this round, <laughs> there <you> Mr. Alwart. <laughs> All
1: right. It's time for our favorite part of this podcast, the little-known facts section. All right. Here we go. Ready? Did you know? Did you know that the 129th Field Artillery Regiment to this day is designated as Truman's own in recognition of his service as commander of its D battery during the Great War? Well, World oh. World
0: That's pretty cool. So a lot of units are have like a specific name. Or, you know, something like Truman's Own or something like that chosen and based on their most famous battle. And yeah. based on what we know about that battle in the mud and stuff like that makes sense that we yeah. would name one. rock a that's mm-hmm. the name of one of them. I know, Russ, you still really want some regiment to be called
1: the Tootsie Roll. The
0: Tootsie Roll. <laughs> the,
2: tootsie roll. <laughs> the
1: Tootsie Roll. Let me see <laughs> oh, that Tootsie that, Roll. That, now it's bomb. Let me see you Tootsie <laughs> Roll. Soon after he was elected president, the editors of the Chicago-style manual... Inform President Truman that omitting a period yep. after his middle name was MLA. improper grammar
0: and mm-hmm. a bad example for America's youth. So this is like the APA-MLA battle. Sure, yeah, sure. Also, so, cite your sources. It's last name, then first name, then comma, oof. then also indent the second line. Wait, which, wait, wait, wait. Hey, by the way, every college professor ever, none of that stuff matters. No. From Sorry. that moment on,
1: President Truman signed his name Harry S. Period, Truman or put all the letters in his name <laughs> together as Harry S. Truman. Like, put it all As here. a, like, Very screw true. you. Yeah. yeah. Good for yeah. him.
0: Yeah. Good for him. Yeah.
1: We mentioned earlier, he was a high-ranking oh, Freemason, nice. one of 14 presidents who belonged to that order. Mm-hmm. May I list off the others? Right. Yes. No. Washington, Monroe, Jackson, Polk, Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, Garfield, McKinley, TR, Your boy Blaine, Taft,
0: Harding, FDR, and Ford.
3: Oh. Yeah.
2: There you go.
0: So no Freemasons since Ford. That we know of, mm-hmm. there must have been. Well, they're behind everything, actually, and they're the reason why they're in power. No, that's yeah, not I the 33. <laughs> yeah, 33.
1: A two-lane bowling alley was installed in the White House in 47 as a birthday gift to President Truman. On his first roll, he knocked down seven pins. Wait.
0: I have a poster why did I feel of Richard like that was Nixon. 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 Well, cuz there's well, cause because of the, 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 the Big Lebowski, that's why. Yeah. All right. I have that poster in my house. <laughs> yep. He's bowling on
1: Harry Truman's bowling yep. alley. Oh. Huh. Yep. Uh, Truman often heard phantom knocks on the door when he was working. <laughs> he thought on... the White House
0: was haunted. Yeah, yeah. So
1: he would, he would be working on speeches in the White House. He would hear knocks on the door. And he thought that they were Lincoln's ghost. Okay. So his daughter said her father actually wished Lincoln and other dead presidents would drop by. Quote, he said, I'm sure they're here. I won't lock my doors or bar them if any of the old coots in the pictures want to come out of their frames for a friendly chat. In 1945, Truman wrote a letter to Bess that said, The floors pop and the drapes move Mm -hmm. back and forth. I can just imagine old Andy and Teddy having an argument over Franklin.
2: Oh, they definitely would.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah,
1: he was not a fan of his home state's official song, the Missouri Waltz. He hated it. "Quote: It's a ragtime song, and if you let me say what I think, I don't give a damn about it. But I can't say it out loud because it's the song of Missouri. It's as bad as the Star-Spangled Banner,
3: as, <laughs> as, as far <laughs> as music is concerned. It's <laughs> <That's
1: laughs> amazing." It's amazing we had a president say that out loud. Shots fired. When Truman visited Disneyland in 1957, he refused to ride the Dumbo ride because he didn't want to be seen riding in the symbol of the GOP. Uh, when LBJ signed Medicare into law in 1965, Harry and Bess Truman were the first senior citizens to receive Medicare cards.
0: Of course they were. Number, oh. number, one, and number one and two. and yeah. two.
1: Yeah. Presented to them by Johnson at the Truman Library.
0: All right. Since 1986, it's just a, a great example of like we did this thing for the elderly, but the first people that get it are these rich people. These guys. It's- yeah. <laughs> Since
1: 1986, Truman the Tiger has been the official mascot of the University of Missouri, the athletic program. Oh, there.
3: Okay. oh, yeah. just holding
1: up the bottom of the SEC.
3: You know, <laughs> just holding <it> up
1: <laughs> tigers. Not often native to Missouri that we know. Not of. often. Not often. <laughs> the Missouri Tigers were a group of armed vigilantes in Columbia, Missouri, who protected the courthouse from roaming bandits in the 1850s. What? It was the name of a group of vigilantes who were protecting the town from these bandits. Because Missouri at the time, somewhat of a frontier okay. state, you know. Yeah, going into Kansas from mm-hmm. Missouri. Missouri Tigers. There you go. Okay. That's why they're the Tigers, and their mascot's name is Truman. Speaking of Tigers, Truman once said, Within the first few months, I discovered that being a president is like riding a tiger. A man has to keep on riding or be swallowed.
2: He-Man rode a tiger, right? He oh. did. Uh,
1: Producer Russ, could you look up what was the name of He-Man's tiger, please? His daughter inspired a Wesley Snipes movie.
0: Passenger 57? Nope. Always <laughs> been a black.
1: In the 1980s, Margaret wrote a mystery thriller called Murder in the White House. What? about a shady Secretary of State who was found dead in the Lincoln bedroom. It was popular enough that it was eventually optioned for a movie, 1997's Murder at 1600.
2: Oh, (laughs) that was a good movie. Starring Wesley
1: Snipes and Diane Lane.
2: Yeah, that was a good movie. Uh,
1: This is kind of a funny story. So Truman is president in 1947, and he applied for a law license. A friend who was an attorney began working out the arrangements and informed the president that his application had to
0: be notarized. Oh, I'm a notary. I know you are. <laughs> by the time that Truman received... You want to get notarized by the Presidential Podcast? Love that. Hit up plane.
1: By so, October. By the time Truman receives this info, he had changed his mind, so he never followed up on it. But after they discovered his application in 1996, the Missouri Supreme Court... Issued him a posthumous honorary That's so law stupid. license. So, Harry Truman's dead like corpse. The, all you can do can as a
0: notary- All you can do is, oh, as a lawyer. Okay. A lawyer. I thought you were saying as a notary. No. I was like, okay. So, he has a stamp. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. I didn't know this,
1: but in 2000, the headquarters for the State Department, which was built in the 30s but never officially named, was dedicated as the Harry S Truman Building. Oh, cool. That's the last of the little known facts that I had, but I did find one great quote which I think you who always look through the lens of character at these presidents' Blaine, will really enjoy. Do either of you have any other
0: little known facts? He was the first sitting president to visit Mexico. Huh, which is wild considering Zach Taylor. I immediately thought of Zach yeah, Taylor. Me yeah, too. That's yeah, but he in was my president notes at the point. That it was, says Zach Taylor. Ha. Pol-
1: Polk at the time, right? Yeah. Polk yeah. was president. Yeah, so
0: he's the first one that was president at the time.
1: Here's a great quote that, Blaine, I know you look through the lens of character at all these presidents that we are on this journey exploring of Harry S. Truman. Quote, it is amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. Isn't that a good quote?
0: Absolutely.
1: As I discovered that and put it in my notes, I'm like, Blaine's going to like that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, friends, thank you for listening to episode 33, The Farmer of the Presequential Podcast. Our 34th episode on Dwight Eisenhower will be released on Wednesday, May 11th. Until then, please leave a review, connect with us on our social media at Presequential, and don't forget, we will send you early, ad-free, and bonus episodes when you join our Patreon community today at patreon.com slash Presequential. Thank you to all of our sponsors, and you... Wherever you are, we really are appreciative of your support. And uh, we'll see you again in just
3: two short weeks.